Hey guys, and welcome back to the You Know The Drill podcast, the podcast hosted by me, Barris, and my mate Robbie, two fourth-year dental students producing content for all your dental needs. Whether you're a dental student or applicant, if you want to learn more about the reality of dentistry, this is a podcast for you. If you want to keep up to date with all our episodes, follow our podcast on your platform of choice, and check out our YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok over at You Know The Drill podcast. Thank you. So today we are back doing another episode focusing on a dental speciality, orthodontics. Um, we're very excited as our guest today is Dr. Farouk Ahmed, um, and he is a consultant orthodontist at Guy's Hospital. So without further ado, welcome onto the podcast, Dr. Ahmed. Hi, Robbie and Faris. Thank you so much for the invitation to come onto this podcast. Uh, I am also a fellow podcaster, so it's yes. great to, to, be, uh, to be engaging with my own kind. So thank you very much <laughs> for the invitation, and I look forward to this interview and seeing where this goes. So thank you again. No, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, yeah, really looking forward to it. So let's just dive into the initial, you know, question and introductions. Could you please introduce yourself for our listeners um, and just give us a quick summary? Cool. So you guys have done a great job of kind of summarizing where I am professionally. So I think there's always two parts to there's two parts to kind of most of the way I, I view dentistry and orthodontics and also myself. So there's a professional side to answer this question and it's also the personal side. So professionally, yes, I'm a consultant orthodontist. Uh, I've been practicing as a consultant for four years now. Um, I My working week, well, I work at Guy's Hospital uh, to keep an eye on Faris and Robbie, but also <laughs> I work at Northwood Park Hospital, which is in northwest London. So about half my yeah. week, three and a half days is is dedicated to the hospital orthodontic consultant work. Um, I mainly tend to do orthognathic and hyperdontia. And also we can private practice for the rest of the week. That's in northwest London in, in Crouch End. Uh, mm. We're mostly dealing with cosmetic side of things, uh, ceramic appliances, lingual, temporary anchorage devices, that type of stuff. I have a podcast, which is Orthodontics in Summary, uh, which started under lockdown. That was really a project about trying to uh, just engage a bit more with what I was learning, because I was learning so much during lockdown, and just yeah. sharing it with other people. And that's still been the premise of it. It's got a clinical blog now as well. There's also the other side, and I think we all have two sides to ourselves, but I try and marry them together in, in my interaction. So if you don't mm -hmm. mind embellishing me, but the, um, I'm 30-something years old. I will never tell you the precise amount after you get past 30. I don't think anybody should. <laughs> Um, I'm originally from Manchester, born and bred. Uh, now I, I live down south in London for my mm -hmm. many, many sins. That's the only explanation I have as to why I'm no longer in Manchester. Mm -hmm. um, I'm married. I, I'm very fortunate to have a wonderful wife and two beautiful children, uh, wow. which will and will always remain my greatest achievement, bar any of my professional achievements. Uh, they're my motivation. They're my joy uh, and really keep me, keep me grounded. So that's probably me in a nutshell. Amazing. That's like the best introduction we've ever had. <laughs> that's because that I interview amazing. the people. I interview the people. I just copied their bits. Wow. Amazing. But I think I think we need to uh might have to have a whole other podcast on the personal side. Because I feel like today yeah, we've let's got do that, it. Um, let's do it. I've yeah, got loads of stuff. Brilliant. Yeah. Amazing. But um, just kind of delving into your amazing achievements and the commitment you've shown to the you know field of orthodontics, could you give our guests, uh, our, our podcast listeners, actually, just a little introduction to what orthodontics actually is? Yeah, well, you know, it's a it's it's an interesting field to say the very least. So just breaking it down, I mean, we've got the literal side of it, right? So it comes from the Greek orthodontics so ortho means mm. to to straighten, dontics means teeth. So the, the premise of 
Uh, so then it goes to our conventional understanding of what the field of orthodontics is. So it's about straightening teeth in its terminology, but actually what it is, is about uh, diagnosis and treatment related specifically to a, um, a, a malalignment and incorrect positioning of the teeth, but also the structures around it, which are the jaws and correcting the occlusion. So that's kind of pretty much what the speciality focuses around is about straightening up the teeth, the jaws, and off the occlusion and the bite. And that pretty much summarizes every type of subspeciality within orthodontics and also the mm -hmm. appliances that we use and, and how they function. So uh, that's orthodontics. I mean, it's interesting when we look at some of the research when it comes to, well, how commonly is it needed? So UK-wise, our research shows there's about a third of the population would need to have orthodontic treatment. Yeah. Interesting, I look at my colleagues in the States, and for them in their population studies, they find it's 50%. And it's not because our populations are particularly different. It's just because need actually also has a cultural definition to what the society think is needed for braces, what the healthcare service think is a need for braces. Um, so ironically, in a science and it's research-based and it's got a really strong evidence component to it, actually culture influences a lot of what defines need within our speciality and who gets treatment as a result. And mm. that's orthodontics. Perfect. And um, as Faris and I have, you know, learnt uh, recently since we've started our orthodontics learning is that uh, the field is so, so, so vast. Um, you know, you have the developmental aspects to it and, you, you know, you have all the different e possible etiologies and all the different possible treatments. It's such a vast field um, and it's a really enjoyable one, I think. Yeah, I think it's, uh, and, I, and I appreciate that it gets put into one category in the undergraduate curriculum, it's, it's orthodontics. But mm -hmm. you know, I'd probably say, well, before you guys got into dentistry, if you were to speak to somebody else about, uh, speak to you guys about dentistry, it's one small field, it's just do the teeth. But when you start it, you've got perio, endo, prosto, you've got a whole mm -hmm. world of other things which yeah. open up. It's exactly the same yeah. with orthodontics. Um, you know, the, the subspecialities that are in there, even just the appliances, I mean, I'll give you a comparison. It's like doing a crown prep and a denture. Doing orthognathic treatment and doing a functional appliance, it, there's just such a vast difference between the skill sets needed for them that it yeah. is a large range of topics. And and I think that's also what keeps us interested in the field, right? As in if we were literally doing the same thing day in, day out, no disrespect to endodontists. But the, <laughs> the idea is that that would have a monotony to it. But if you have yes. a variety, i.e. you're looking at things differently, you're using your tools differently, that mm. makes something fundamentally interesting because it's variable. And I think orthodontics imbibes that, other specialties imbibe that as well within dentistry and general practice, of course. I mean, that's probably the definition of variety. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, very much interesting. Perfect. Mm. Yes. Um, yeah. So did you always know you wanted to go into orthodontics and what kind of, you know, drew your attention to the field initially? Um, the answer, I think, is no. And I would also say, if I was to ask you guys, did you always want to be a dentist? I don't know. What's your answers, Robbie? What would you say? Did you always want no, to be a dentist? No. no, no. <laughs> Sorry? Absolutely not. <laughs> no. Actually, you know, it's, it's actually quite funny. Um, actually, I haven't talked about this before, but I'd always, always think, like, why would anyone actually ever want to be a dentist? And then I, I realized, oh, wait, I actually want to do this now. <laughs> it, was a, it was a funny realization, but. It, it is, isn't it? And, and we find our way mm. in life. And I think this idea of mapping things out. So the answer is no, I didn't want to be an orthodontist. Yeah. Uh, in fact, when I qualified, uh, I didn't, I wanted to go straight into the business side. That was always my intent. Um, I had no, in, I had an interest in the clinical side and the academic side to a degree. But my mm. reason why I did dentistry was because 
essentially, I didn't go into business. So this was like a, well, I'll do the work and then I'll just go into business afterwards, whether it's dental or outside of it, you know, I'll just do that. But kind of uh, along, after qualifying, I thought, right, well, how can I get there in the best way? So I thought, well, I'll increase my skill set. So I went into the dental hospital in Manchester, did a general duties job um, and really liked it really liked it. Mm. I was doing a lot of restorative work and I thought, wow, this stuff is super duper. And my mentor was a consultant orthodo- a consultant restorative uh, clinician, a guy, a chap called Martin Ashley. Now, he was a mentor. He's just such a sweet guy. And he gave me all the time of the day and would be there till in the evening till six o'clock, 7.30, you know, casually having a conversation. And essentially, I sat down with him and said, I want to be you. I've decided now I will jack in the business side and I'll just be you. I want to be a restorative consultant. You do super duper work. You know, it's mm-hmm. amazing teaching and I'll be there for you. But he didn't reply to my, my, my statement of intent. And instead he asked, well, what kind of things do you like? And I described, well, I like to do uh, multidisciplinary work. I think it's cool. You guys sit on a table and make these mad decisions. It's incredible. I want to sit on that table. Um, yes. I like to play with toys. Like I like new items of technology, but also like the clinical side. Like we had Rotary Ender had just started at that point in time, and I was loving it. Um, but I also like to front load my cases. So I like to really plan things super meticulously. And that was because fundamentally, I'm a lazy person. And I just want to think all through all the problems, resolve all the issues, and I have to think far less later on, and I can just sit and enjoy my appointments. Mm-hmm. He said, okay, well, kind of aggregating what you've described, you want to be an orthodontist? I was like, wow, I never saw that coming. Um, mm-hmm. Did some observations of them, went to go meet them, uh, and I thought, actually, do you know what? I think this, uh, this actually does tick my boat. So that's how it started, with no intent, uh, and the journey just led me in this direction. Hmm. You know, it's funny. The second you mentioned the trait of um, wanting to be a good planner, I knew you were going to say that's it, orthodontics. And that's one <laughs> thing I've realized within orthodontics, above everything else. Obviously, in dentistry, this is something I think that we don't really get into as much as dental school because it's quite like, you know, just make sure you do things right. But as, as you get more into dentistry, planning is very important. And with orthodontics specifically, because it's over such a long period of time, I think it yeah. really has a great ability to be like, okay, well, I need to meticulously think about what needs to be done for my patient before I even enter the mouth. Um, yeah. and, and that's why I kind of think orthodontics is, is quite unique and interesting in that every single case has to have a meticulous amount of planning. Um, so, so it kind of makes sense why you wanted to, to go down that route. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's now that you say it back, it, 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 of course it makes sense. But I'll, be, I'll still come back to it. The fact was that I was really lazy. So what I hated about some components of general dentistry is the unknowns cropping up halfway through the process. I've got this treatment plan that I put together. Mm. This didn't quite go right. That didn't quite go right. The aggregation of that is that I've changed my plan entirely. Um, and I just thought, well, there's got to be a better way to kind of do this. Funnily enough, I was doing an oral surgery job when I then made the firm decision to apply for orthodontics. And I was really enjoying it. And I think there was that immediate gratification that took place, which was which was really enjoyable in oral surgery. Um, but again, things occasionally went wrong. And it's like, oh, wow, could I have, a, could I have missed that? I look back on it. And of course, I deny that it was ever my problem, my fault. It was the patient's. But, but it still brought me to that point, well, actually, can I, can I do something that involves me planning away these problems? The problems still happen in orthodontics. I'm not here to dispute. And I'm not, by no means a perfect clinician. But it just felt I'd thought through the process in orthodontics. Um, yeah, so I think it was it, it suited me in that respect. But it was my laziness which drove me. I can't emphasize that enough. That's, uh, yeah, that's very interesting to hear. I'll be very honest. Um, 
Okay, so let's move on to your journey now. So you've already touched a little bit um, about, you know, your training, but where and when did you train throughout all of your re- your years? So if you had to break it down in chronological order from your first, you know, foundation post, um, moving on from there. Um, so I qualified 2009 for Manchester. Mm-hmm. Um, so over a decade ago now. Um, Back in the day, when things were black and white, f- foundation training was called VT training, vocational training. It's like a relic. It's like talking to a dinosaur. And I hmm. did that in Manchester in a place called Rusham. If you guys have been to Manchester, uh, there's a place called Wimslow Road, which is essentially called the Curry Mile, where there's lots and lots of good food. If you ever go near Manchester, you just have to go. It's incredible. So basically, I chose it because it was a great place to meet up with my friends um, and I had a wonderful um, vocational training year. Uh, after that, I then went to Manchester Dental Hospital, did a general duties job, which essentially is a DCT post in its current translation, where I did oral surgery, a couple with restorative dentistry. Uh, and that's when I had the fortune to, to interact with my mentor, Martin Ashley, at that stage. Mm-hmm. Um, then I need to get some wider experiences, and uh, I really wanted to do some Max Facts. Like Max Facts, it has this this allure of being associated with general, uh, being associated with medicine and the on calls. And I just thought, well, that's that looks that looks really different. Let's give that a crack and see what life was like if I was to do that. So I went to Bradford um, and did that for a year, and did some special care dentistry at the same time. So that was my DCT my second DCT post. Mm-hmm. Um, during that process, I had kind of made the decision that I wanted to do orthodontics um, and I thought, right, well, I need to get my CV together. Um, so then I started doing some publications and audits, nothing particularly profound or of interest. But what I did have an interest in was doing some uh, research. Well, for, actually, I'll, I'll say that clearer, is that I didn't understand research and I was interested in this really dark gray area within dentistry, which I didn't really seem to know much about at all. Probably because yeah. I slept through a number of lectures at Manchester Dental Hospital. But also is the fact that, well, people seem to talk about these papers and I never really interacted with them. So then I, I started a master's in dental public health, not because I have any real attraction to dental public health, but it was just a, a very straightforward way to get a master's and do it part-time whilst I was doing my other full-time education, uh, full-time mm-hmm. jobs. Yeah. So I started that and I really liked it. Uh, and actually, it helped me tick some of the boxes when it came to my orthodontic application. But what it really did was to ignite an interest within dentistry for me. Like I really thought, wow, this is I'm really I'm really understanding now about research and how it works. Um, and then read a couple of papers, which then at that point in time, the guidance had changed regarding um, giving antibiotics for patients for prophylactic uh, infective endocarditis. Um, and actually, I was able to say, well, we changed our clinical practice, but also then understand the research behind it. Um, it's easy enough to say, well, that's what the guidelines say. It's different to say, well, I'll, that's what the research says. So it, it really kind of helped me work out, well, why have we changed these practices in our in, in dentistry? Um, so then I applied for my specialty training and I didn't get a post for the first time I applied. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I thought, well, what am I going to do now? I didn't get in. Um, should I apply again? Should I consider some other alternatives? And really, it was the the master's component of the specialty program. So unfortunately, this has changed this year. But until this year, you had to carry out a master's as part of your specialty training. 
So I thought, well, actually, I wanted to do another master's just to accumulate some further skills in the field of research. And orthodontics was a conduit to do it. So Mm -hmm. I applied again. I was fortunate to get in the second time around at Manchester, which was my first choice. Did my three years of training, uh, which was a real journey. It was really enjoyable. And really, you get pushed in a clinical sense to learn this new skill, but also in the academic sense, but also in the personal sense. You're then presenting at conferences. You're doing audits. You're leading on some of these meetings. It was really cool to be able to sit at the table with these big guys and have conversations with them and get them to engage. Um, I still kept up some of my dental skills, so I worked in practice part-time. Um, I was doing some emergency dental work and some oral mm-hmm. surgery lists back in Bradford. Uh, I did my exit exams in 2015 um, and became a specialist. I was fortunate to win the gold medal in my uh, MORTH exams, which are the exit wow. exams for the college. Mm-hmm. And that was, a, that was a great achievement, probably still after my family. is probably my second biggest achievement in my career. Um, and that was really interesting because I had no intent to try and get a gold medal. I wasn't uh, training for it or preparing for it. Um, but all I was trying to do was follow the advice of one of my colleagues, which was just try and learn everything you can because this is the last time you'll sit down with these textbooks. And I, I took that uh, and, and kind of ran with it. So that was a, a real honor to, to achieve the award. Uh, I then wanted to become a consultant because to do multidisciplinary work, you've got to be a consultant working in hospitals. That's another mm-hmm. two years of training. Um, there weren't many jobs available, but one came up at the Royal London and Northwood Park. Yeah. Um, and Royal London had a, just a, an entire uh, an entire lineage of excellent clinicians coming out of there. Um, so I jumped to the chance, took the post, uh, and learned a massive amount of skills and learn about a different geography. You know, if you worked in one place, you get get a feel of what yeah. people want. It has a, you can predict what's going to happen. In a new place, in a new world, you have to learn things a second time. So it really developed my emotional intelligence and my communication skills being somewhere totally different. Mm. Um, passed my exams in 2018. I'm glad to say the first time around. Got my consultant job at Guy's Hospital at yeah. Northwood Park. Uh, and then uh, can continue my work in private practice in, in Northwest London. So that's probably been my my journey in quite a long nutshell, although you asked for it in a nutshell, uh, mm-hmm. as to how I've got to where I have. Uh, and what happens going forward, well, the journeys never stop. Uh, ultimately, yeah. we continue on a path. It may not involve the same titles and qualifications, but I still have a series of things that I want to achieve within the field of orthodontics, both in the clinical sense and advancing and using some of the new technologies, which I'm really excited about, mini screws and TADs, as well as advancing our research understanding on aligners, Mm-hmm. Uh, which I've got a clinical interest in. Um, so the journey has not stopped at all. And I'm really glad to have developed an interest. But I've got to be honest, Robbie, I think, you know, if we were to accelerate the next 13, 14 years and to put yourself into my shoes, I think you'd be enjoying it as well. I, I just think yeah. that you're on a journey of both clinical, professional development. Sounds boring, but you also go on this massive personal journey about learning about people, patients, consultants, trainees, uh, develop your emotional intelligence. And that is the real journey of life, you know, is to develop and to grow. Uh, and I have the fortune to contribute now to other people's development. So it's a great journey. Yeah, no, it's amazing. And I do thank you so much for the detail because it's always, um, you know, a very important and, you know, popular subject, you know, how, how do you actually specialize in something in dentistry? So 
um, please don't apologize, you know, for, for being so thorough. That was great. Um, there is one question I did have. So when you did your three years uh, master's in, in, in author, were you at the same time working in, a, in, in the NHS in a hospital? Uh, so, was yeah. that like running side by side? Yeah, so it was, a, I'd say, unfortunately, it's changed this year, but essentially that was it. So you enrolled as a NHS um, specialty trainee. So that's how the NHS yeah, and ST, Health yeah. in England, yeah, STR, yeah. Uh, they define uh, that employment. So they pay you uh, a junior doctor salary. Um, but coupled with that, the arrangement with the NHS is that you will enroll in a master's program, which is a full-time master's program, but actually mm -hmm. breaks down to one or two days a week where you will carry out some right. research because at that point in time to sit the M-Ortho, the exit exams for orthodontic specialist training, you have to have a master's yeah. component to it. Um, okay. As the, the field itself was, and there's other fields in medicine which are very similar to this, cardiology, for example, you've got to have a PhD before you can get to the end. So it sounds strange, but there are certain fields which just lend themselves to academic work. And orthodontics has been, again, unfortunately, until this year, very much one of those. So it mm. was one one continuum. My uh, master's and my NHS three-year special training was essentially one post. Ah, got you. Okay, that makes sense. Fine. Uh, because typically, you know, we have guests on that will say, you know, if you want to do um, an MCLIN dent in a speciality and then afterwards sit the exams and apply to be on the specialist register and you can become a specialist that way, or you can go like down the NHS route, you know, do your five years of, of training and eventually become a specialist that way. So <laughs> it's very interesting to hear the two combined together. Yeah, so the two are combined. Now, this year there has been an uncoupling of those so due to certain kind of changes within health education in England, they've wanted mm. to kind of balance out what you've literally just described, which is essentially a different journey in the other speciality. So they've tried yeah. to kind of harmonize the speciality. So from this year onwards, you don't have to do a master's as part of the orthodontic speciality program within the NHS. So you can do it that way. And now you can also do a master's where you pay your fees. You don't get an income. Yeah. You can sit the yeah. exams at the end of that as part of a full-time program. So there are two kind of diverging routes now. The mm. NHS and uh, the NHS specialty program will still be the most popular. Um, but at this point, there are, there are new avenues which are opening. So we'll see what the future holds uh, with the changes that have taken place literally just this year. Perfect, perfect, happy days. All right, so moving on to the uh, fun the fun question. So which, um, which aspects do you enjoy about your speciality and do you have any dislikes? Um, so, uh, what do I enjoy? Um, I think for me, it is a field which I'll be frank. It's not, I don't find it the easiest for me. Right. So uh, there are some people and the same with clinical dentistry. There's some people who will just give them a bird and they'll do a crown prep without thinking about it twice. It's just easy. Mm -hmm. It's natural for them. Orthodontics wasn't that, and probably still isn't that for me. I have to really think about it. I think about hard, hard about it. But I, if I don't understand something, the thought will niggle at my brain. And I will then uh, either ask somebody, or at this stage, I'll probably do a quick PubMed search, or, and I'll try and find the answer. Um, so the fact that actually it's not that easy, strange as it sounds, really keeps me interested in my field. Um, from a clinical sense, we've already spoken about the massive variability, variation in it. But again, I suppose now this is more about, not the speciality, but more about my job. 
is that yeah. a lot of it involves education. So if I'm teaching somebody, um, it gives you a great sense of achievement when they have harnessed a new skill. Mm. Um, but again, kind of coming back to the first bit is that at some point I will have a discussion with one of the trainees and they'll point out something incorrect about what it said or, or incorrect about one of the references. And then I'll go back to the to my kind of notes, I'll look at it again, and then I'll come back and then say, okay, well, you were correct. Let's now kind of learn about this process together and we'll sit down and discuss whatever the new whatever I've learned. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I find myself the the teaching, the learning is still progressing as a as a specialist uh, mm. and consultant, but also the teaching is also kind of feeding back into that process. Uh, the clinical variability is great. Just to be clear, every patient who comes into orthodontics gets full mouth rehab. And that yeah. is that is mad. To be able to do that on a such a routine, regular, frequent basis is a great sense of just change. Um, so from that perspective, it's uh, it's really engaging. The bits that I dislike. So I suppose, the again, this probably comes down to more employment side, is that there's always friction within the process, both within the NHS and primary care, both in the hospitals, which don't let you necessarily do your job as well as you would like to be able to do it. Um, it's understandable as to why structures of organizations are large to control uh, both activity for patients, but also funds and budgets and other bits. And all that stuff sounds like a reasonable excuse. But at the same time, I just want to be able to do the job the best I can. And I find sometimes there are restrictions imposed uh, for what I can rationalize, but still don't like the look of. Um, so that annoys me. Uh, what else do I dislike about orthodontics? Um, I, I probably dislike the fact that that it doesn't have that great of a rep amongst undergraduates. And if I think back to my own time, is that it was just the yeah. easiest tick box exercise. You'd either turn up to clinic or you wouldn't. Uh, but as long as you got signed off, that's what orthodontists occupied. Whereas dentists wouldn't. <laughs> dentists, would, yeah. dentists would never be in that place. To take a, a tooth out would never be that tip box size. You wanted to take as many teeth as you could. You wanted to be good at it. I don't think anybody is as an undergraduate at the end of their training program, but you wanted to at least have that exposure and experience and you kind of craved it. Whereas orthodontics, and again, I can understand the reasons the curriculum is limited to five years. You're just trying to make people safe, not orthodontists. But at the same time, yeah, I speak to my colleagues in, in elsewhere in the world and especially in places in the States where they, the undergraduates do get a good amount of exposure to see fixed appliance cases, to do some of the changes, take the brackets off. And I think that also ignites their not only interest in it, but also respect for the field. And I think this is really important now because as you guys will be graduating, there's a massive drive towards dentists carrying out short-term orthodontic treatment. And I think that actually we should be preparing our trainees to come out with a skill set to be able to understand orthodontic sciences better and in clinical practice so actually they can navigate it. Because even as an orthodontist, as I am at the behest of all these companies who are trying to sell me their products, it's, ma it's massive how much they're influencing our clinical practice. Again, being a specialist, perhaps it's a bit easier to navigate with the science behind me. But I think now with newly qualified dentists, you guys are exposed to massive amounts of this and i would just want my colleagues to be safe as they qualify and make decisions based upon what they think is appropriate not what a company does um so i've kind of taken this question a different way but that's one of the things i dislike at the moment is that the lack of airplay mm. that orthodontics gets in an undergraduate program but also what orthodontic companies are doing to dentists as they qualify they're not necessarily going down the evidence-based practice the safe route as we are planning to do, as we do for the undergraduate program, 
they go much more down a commercial route. And you know, I, I gave a lecture not too long ago. I won't say which dental hospital, but I asked. I, I gave a, a lecture. You know, it's generally it's quite boring. That's my style. And at the end, I asked them, "Well, you know, how many of you guys are interested in doing um, uh, doing some orthodontics?" And kind of nobody put their hand up. And so, how many how many of you guys are interested in doing Invisalign? And about half the people put their hands up. And I think partly that's just just a lack of engagement of the undergraduate program with orthodontics, but also the companies have kind of come in around the side and, and started influencing programs. The biggest sponsors in orthodontics are Invisalign. You know, they sponsor every one of our events pretty much so at some point or another. So their names are their name is embedded within the within the field, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's the right way. So that's what I dislike at the moment. And, mm. and I hope through this podcast um you guys can this 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 message goes out there. Orthodontics is a wonderful field. And um, you have to give it its time, you know. Mm. Yeah. I, I would actually say I totally agree with your uh, kind of reference to undergraduates not having a great exposure to orthodontics, even for myself and Robbie. Um, you know, we, we like to pride ourselves on being quite proficient and trying to gain insight into the different specialties. But orthodontics has always been a challenging one, mostly because mm. it's very difficult to get an actual quote-unquote exposure to orthodontics. Like the most we really do is, you know, remove some modules, maybe talk a little bit about um, how to interpret SF, but there's not really a lot of exposure. And I think what you mentioned as well with regards to this shift towards aligners and kind of our exposure to it, I, I totally agree. I think everyone finds aligners to be, you know, like the really cool and in thing at the moment. It seems like, a, in all honesty, a watered-down version of orthodontics um, mm -hmm. because even at dental school, we kind of have this fear of occlusion. Like whenever we hear the word occlusion, everyone kind of, you know, gets a bit worried and just kind of cowers away. So I, I think to give like an explanation as to why I think um, orthodontics is, is a bit less loved in the undergraduate community, if that's the way to describe it, it's mostly because one, there's a degree of complexity towards it. And there's like kind of a an idea that orthodontics is really difficult. So most people just kind of think, well, you know, I don't really want to commit myself to something that takes this long. Let me just... Mm -hmm do something else. And then if I really want to do some orthodontics and scratch that itch, I can just do Invisalign. So that, that's kind of my um, interpretation as to why things are as they are. Mm, um, that's really good insight. That's really good insight. And, you know, again, you'll have a patient that you will take a molar tooth out. You'll put a denture in the patient. But I think partly not having a patient that you're responsible for, it makes it into just this theoretical world of, you know, KEFs and, um, learning about mechanics which have no real relevance to that stage again i think just having some hands-on exposure it is there is an academic component to the field but it's you don't have to be a phd boffin you know to get orthodontics it's it's gettable everybody can get orthodontics i i will hang my hat on that and say everybody can learn the field of orthodontics and become an orthodontist who is in dentistry yeah yeah the the entry points yes they're set at a certain bar and so on and so forth but everyone can get it if you qualify for dentistry you can qualify for orthodontics but yeah i think it's just the airplay and i would love for there to be more uh, i would love for there to be more love um for orthodontics yeah so let's let's see where where the future takes us but i hope to influence that at some stage yeah no it's, it's excellent to kind of hear about the field and you know, see someone that's very passionate about it and give us an actual insight into what it's like. Um, and I just, as I just think in general, as an undergraduate, you know, 
one of the things that puts you off is difficulty, especially now there's a lot of pressure to kind of achieve a lot of things while you're young. Um, orthodontics is one of those things that does need commitment. And as a result, some people just feel like, okay, well, you know, why do I want to do that? But yeah, I think, I think this episode was actually very interesting. Um, we've had some good talks kind of discussing why orthodontics is seen in the light it is. And I feel like there's a, there's a lot more that can even be said. Um, and if anyone does want to, you know, learn a little bit more about orthodontics and, and get some more insight, please, um, do listen to Dr. Ahmed's, uh, um, podcast, which we will, uh, link to, uh, just at the end of this episode. And, um, just before we do, um, uh, wrap this episode up, we just like to ask our guests one, uh, question. Um, what is one tip? you would give to any aspiring dental applicants at the moment this is you know um, 16 to 18 year olds that are thinking of applying to dentistry um, my honest advice would be to not tick a box um, explore your interests explore your options what's available to you uh, i've been fortunate to sit on the undergraduate interview process and you know, we've just got a whole crop of incredibly intelligent, high-achieving people who want to get into dentistry. And I think dentistry is going to be so well-shaped over the next generations by these people just coming into our field. I think it's phenomenal. I wouldn't get into dentistry now if I was to apply, not with the best will in the world. But the question, the, the process has started to change as instead of using things to get on your CV as a scaffold to gain experiences, what I'm finding is people are doing it just for the sake of doing it. And I think we've all been guilty of that to a degree in our careers and, and where we've got to in our lives so far. But the challenge that it creates is that you don't start to develop an interest. And again, I've been fortunate in orthodontics to be able to do that. Um, and, and really, it's it, it drives me. And this is my kind of one thing is don't tick a box. Explore an interest. You will get there eventually, one way or the other. But you'll be happy where you get to. And for me, that is something that I strongly uh, imbibe in my own actions. There'll be some bits of what I do, I'll, uh, some bits of my clinical practice that I'll avoid. I will refer on to somebody else. You can't be perfect. And this, I, I, I was, do you know what? I'm just going to switch this a little bit and say that I, I interviewed somebody very senior to myself uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and he was very, he's just incredible, like super duper nice, super epidemic, super clinician, just super, super everything, right? And I said, how do you do it? And he said, because I'm really bad at doing this. In my field, I'm really bad at doing this. So I don't do it, I refer it to somebody else. And just trying not to tick every box liberates you into being able to be incredible at other things. So my, my lasting advice is, use the boxes as scaffolds. Yes, there's got to be certain boxes ticked to get in and blah, 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 but don't use them as your end output. Use it as your starting point and enjoy the experience. Perfect. That was um, a great answer. And again, now that we're at the end of the podcast, we'd really like to thank you for your time and coming on. Um, hopefully we, you know, see you around and we actually get to meet you in person, but it was great meeting you virtually, <laughs> um, and having such a, uh, you know, thorough and insightful episode from yourself. So many thanks for that. My pleasure guys, Robbie and Faris, thank you for, for the invitation here and, uh, carry on with your work guys. It's always good to share journeys. Yeah, we were all, we are all personable, no matter what 
title titles we get ultimately we all like to talk to people and have stories and learn from people's experiences and you guys are very much sharing that so so thank you for the opportunity again uh, and i look forward to hearing your next episode perfect um great okay so thank you to our listeners for listening to the you know the draw podcast please please make sure to uh, check out dr ahmed's instagram page over at farouk ahmed underscore orthodontist to keep up with his amazing work and check out www.orthoinsummary.com to listen to Dr. Farouk's podcast. Yes, and to find out more about dentistry, the application process, and stay up to date with the podcast, make sure you follow at You Know The Real Podcast on Instagram and TikTok, and at Barristan and the podcast channel on YouTube for all your dental needs. Thanks for listening. Peace out.